0: today the below average joe's MMA show present the weekend preview and we have a jam-packed show for you guys talking about everything and anything from UFC 284 in the Outback champion <laughs> versus champion as one man the pound for pound number 1 man in the company Alexander Volkanovski looks to cement his legacy as an all-time great as he goes up to 155 pounds and looks to take the lightweight title from the man who is the prodigy of one of the all-time greats looking to make his legacy separate from one Habib Nurmagomedov, Islam Makhachev looking to make the first defense of his lightweight title. It's a massive fight, but is it being underpromoted? We'll talk all about it. Also, we have... MMA fighters taking over boxing what's this Jorge Masvidal announces a jam-packed card for his game bread boxing promotion with a bevy of MMA fighters on it we'll talk about that all this and more and it all starts right now welcome back everybody thank you for joining us episode 265 me and dominic are coming at you with another weekend preview this time for ufc 284 headlined by a fight that dominic has been the champion of for months on months our most viral instagram clip to date (laughs) three to four months later we're still getting likes there's still debates in the comments and now we're gonna we're gonna bring it all in here dom and we're gonna address our views at that time and we're gonna Say, have our have we doubled down on our takes from three or four months ago? A lot has happened Mm -hmm. in between that, and what's really special, Dom, is we're really kicking off a very important next few months in the UFC. Mm -hmm. We're coming off the heels of a pretty weak card. Derek Lewis, Alexio, I almost said Alexio, (laughs) Alexio Linic, polar bear, you know.
1: You just had to give but, a throwback to our first episode. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: that's true, actually. Um, next weekend's card's not great, but you talk about the, the pay-per-views, you know, in mm-hmm. the next four months here. They're massive. Yeah. So we're really kicking off a very special time in the sport, and it's very exciting. So, Dominic, how are you feeling? We're here on Thursday. feel like we're in the Windy City, but we're not. Just weather be like that sometimes how are you feeling dominic you're back in the great state of ohio you are safe and sound from that that uh terrible drive from (laughs) tennessee to ohio long one how are you
1: i'm feeling good man the wind has allowed me to hunker down in the studio which is right where i wanted to be on this thursday evening anyways Mm -hmm. we've got a history making title fight in just about a little over 48 hours from the time we are recording this so i am absolutely pumped the weather You can kind of feel it in the air, like wind aside. The temperatures, springs are coming. Springs are rolling in, and that just means more golfing for me personally and our battling for bogey branch off of the brand. And just, you know, nice weather. The sun's out longer. It's just a happy, good, happy, fun time. So we love that, but we love MMA. That's what we're here to do. I'm doing great, and I hope the same for you as we get rocking.
0: I'm doing well, Dom. Doing very well. It is windy. It is windy. But I prefer it – I, I kind of prefer the way it feels outside right now. It's like oh, yeah. high 40. I mean, we're getting – we're cl- we're closing <laughs> in on that D-mark for temperature. The mm-hmm. wind makes me feel like me and Dom are back in our college <laughs> town, bowling green, yep. bl- blowing green as they call it <laughs> in those parts. So um, it, it feels like I'm at home a little bit. Yep. But, yes, like I just said, a massive next few months here, and it all starts with really – the main event that feels like it is the biggest of all of them, and yet also feels like it's the smallest yeah. of all of them. And uh, let's get into that, Dom. So Islam Makachev looking to make the first defense of his lightweight title. But in order so, he'll have to go through the featherweight champion, the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter in the UFC, Alexander Volkanovsky. He is moving up in weight, looking to become champ-champ, that would make him uh, to simultaneously. That'd make him the fifth fighter, mm-hmm. right? It's got to be around that number. Let's see. Yeah, uh, Connor, Connor. You had Cejudo, Amanda, DC. I think that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And then if you include just two division titles, you got Randy Couture. Did BJ Penn do it? I don't know. I, that's it's around. Uh, it's fifth simultaneous. Oh, yeah. yep. Yeah. GSP. So fifth simultaneous. Um, that'd be a massive milestone. He's already very close, if not already there to like best, um, best featherweight of all time. Mm -hmm. And this would be just another step in a direction of not just being the best featherweight of time, but maybe being one of the best fighters of all time, Dominic. So in order to do so though, he's going to have to get through Islam who even though he's not even made a defense of his title yet. He's already got the cause of being the next great in this lightweight that's had so many great fighters. Yes, of course, he comes from a great camp. He is the protege of Khabib Nurmagomedov, another all-time great. But Islam Magachev is also just that dude. And you look at what he did to Charles Oliveira, how thorough of a beating he really put on a guy who had yet to really fall victim to that on in such a great reign. He had his champion. Islam has the makings of a special talent. Mm-hmm. So this is a, this is a massive fight for all those reasons. Yet as we're just a couple days away from fight night, Dom, there's been a lot of talk about this fight, but not for the X's and O's or, you know, what are the implications of a win for either guy here? The talk seems to be focused around the promotion mm-hmm. of this fight or Dare I say, lack thereof. Mm -hmm. Now, this Mm -hmm. is something we have constantly thrown eggs at to our competitors over at Bellator. Not our competitors, but the UFC's competitors. Mm -hmm. We've constantly talked about their under-promoting of fights. So I think it's only right that now that people are calling out the UFC for the same thing, we address it here first. Before we even get into the fight, Dom, your thoughts on this debate. It all started with Islam actually calling out the company directly. So do you agree with these calls for this being an under-promoted fight or do you tend to side with more the UFC that they are either doing enough or maybe there's other reasons for why this is being under-promoted?
1: I think that for a fight of this magnitude, it is definitely being under-promoted. However, the way that the UFC promotes, and it's pretty consistent for the most part, is that... you. It, basically, it's a one week thing in terms of like blasting on social media and whatnot. Now, you hmm. will get ads on like ESPN on TV for pay per views uh, more than a week out, obviously. I have seen ads for this, but in terms of like a social media presence, I feel like it's relatively consistent that the UFC they hammer it from one week out from Monday to Saturday is when they just start to drill it. So, in that instance, I think it's pretty much the same. But when there's a fight like this, an exception like this, dare I say, we're talking not only champion versus champion, we're talking number one pound for pound versus number two pound for pound. This is historic stuff that is very, very rare in this sport. Like, Yes, we get great fighters that fight great fighters for titles and stuff all the time, in MMA, in the UFC specifically, but then this is just the highest echelon that you get, the highest level that you can get to. So, yeah, I think it definitely has deserved more. I just don't know how the UFC would have necessarily went about doing it differently than what they do traditionally. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I have found myself in the middle of all this on Twitter and whatnot this past week and a half.
0: Yeah, this is a problem. Depending on how you look at it, it's a problem for a while and it just took this type of fight to kind of shine a light on it. The UFC is so big at this point. They they are such a big part of this sport. I mean, they are MMA in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. That just announcing that there's a fight and it's under the UFC umbrella, that's sometimes just enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot special that they either, one, need to do or, two, that they do to kind of make these fights feel different on their own now you'll see certain fighters will take it upon themselves to try to raise the stakes for their fight get more interest in their fights and some have worked out i think that's why we get hard we get pretty hard on like bellator is because they're already working from behind but i feel like they promote at almost the same they do the same things that the ufc do but have none of the resources and none of the outlets that are as near as big as like an ESPN right to carry them so yeah. they need to do more the yeah. UFC doesn't need to do more but it does expose a little bit of how they operate when a fight that in a lot of ways is massive in terms of legacy feels like just another pay-per-view mm-hmm. and some and it, when you when you ask them the question has to be like what what would they do different what would I have them do differently? Mm -hmm. And that's a really good question because I don't really have much of an answer for that. And then I kind of think long and hard Dom and I'm like, well, what exactly are Islam and Volkanovsky doing to make this feel like Mm -hmm. a bigger fight? And not necessarily Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky seems to be fine. You know, he's just, he's just happy to be (laughs) in this spot. But Islam's the one that was complaining about it. So my question would be, what is he doing to make this fight feel bigger? Now, I don't blame him for not resorting to any sort of tactics that other fighters would go to that maybe would feel like some sort of compromise on his character or who he is. I I have nothing but respect for that. But also you can't just say my fight needs to be more promoted, but what, what can they do? Like Islam and Volkanovsky especially has the track record to prove He's not exactly a big pay-per-view commodity right now. Right. Islam's had one main event on pay-per-view. I mean, I think UFC 2 280 did okay. It was 280, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think it did okay, but I don't think it was necessarily like bringing the house down. And also, I don't think Islam would have been the reason it was doing so to begin with. So yes, he has the room to grow into like a pay-per-view star, like a Habib did. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, Habib really only got to that point because mm-hmm. of the rivalry with Conor McGregor. I mean, he really mm-hmm. did get a rub of from Conor that made him a massive pay per view star. Right. He probably wouldn't have reached that kind of height if not for that rivalry. Islam mm-hmm. is doesn't necessarily have that yet. This fight with Volkanovski, they're very cordial for the most part. Like, there's a little bit of talk here and there, but it's mostly nothing. And that's great. I think that the legacy implications of it kind of speak for itself. But, no, this isn't going to be a fight that's going to break a million pay-per-view buys. It's going to be lucky to break 450,000. And that's Mm -hmm. a shame. But, ultimately, this is a fight for the hardcore fans anyways. Because, Dominic, let's face it, nobody really cares about pound-for-pound rankings. I mean, to be clear, like hardcore fans already don't like pound for pound rankings at least the way the UFC does them mm-hmm. so you take casual fans yeah. they don't give two shits about that right so if hardcore fans don't care how do you expect casual fans to care so this whole number one versus number two pound for pound I, I think it's lost on a lot of people mm-hmm. you know you 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 it just they don't really like what okay who are these guys why why do I care? We know why we care. We know how big this is for their legacy. But in order to grab casuals, you got to have more, I guess, juice that that more on the surface. than you know, the more you dig into this fight, the bigger you realize it is. But it's hard to see on the surface why it matters so much. So that's kind of my two cents, Dominic. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that before we kind of talk about the actual fight itself? I feel
1: like you took what I said and then just elaborated on it, added in your own two cents. I'm fine with
0: where we end it. Yeah. So hopefully we did that justice. I mean, we don't want to focus on it necessarily because we don't want to be a part of the problem here. You know, we, right. we yeah. We we want to actually talk up this fight because it is big. Yeah. But you do also have to kind of address it since that's been the biggest talking point of yeah. Fight Week. So with that being said, it's a massive fight, and it is. I go back to what we talked about three, four months ago, the clip, it's probably our biggest clip ever across any of our Mm -hmm. socials, us talking about when this fight got announced and I went back and watched it just to kind of remember what we said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the whole thing was Dominic clearly bought, bought in immediately on the hype and the, the implications of this Mm -hmm. fight. You raised the question, is this and I'm going to butcher the exact wording, but I'll is this the biggest ti- the biggest title fight in UFC history in terms of uh like legacy? I believe that's somewhat what you said, right?
1: The, is it the biggest first title defense for a oh, new champion? there we go.
0: Yeah. So, and I think my rebuttal was that I would take like a Conor versus Eddie Alvarez at UFC right. 205. Yeah. Even though you were specifically talking about legacy, I was looking at it like the full in the full enchilada, you know. Of course. The pay-per-view buys were obviously bigger. The the time period considering first event at MSG and you know just all the things that went into getting MMA legalized in New York, mm-hmm. the star power of Conor McGregor, the first guy going for two belts simultaneously. It was just really massive, so I still stand by that I would put that as like the number one. But honestly, Dom, I got there was a it was a mixed bag of responses to that. I think a lot of people were, a lot of people didn't like it. They didn't like the take that uh, Connor and Eddie was bigger. I was getting I was getting kind of I was getting kind of flamed a little bit in the comments, and yeah, there was some people that came to my came to my uh, side to Mm -hmm. back me up, but. I can see though that there is a rabid amount of people that think like this, this is the fight for a lot of people and mm-hmm. it deserves that kind of respect. We can split hairs on which fights the biggest versatile defense, which fight is the biggest, this or that, but on its surface, on its yeah. face value, it is one of the biggest fights of all time in terms of legacy. Yeah. We've talked about yeah. that before other fights that were underappreciated but were legacy impacting fights dc versus steep a3 yes said was to determine the best ufc heavyweight of all time Mm -hmm. so dominic your thoughts on that original that original video we did when the fight was announced has anything changed for you three four months later or are you still all in on this fight
1: I'm definitely still all in. I'm probably honestly even a little bit more excited, despite the, all the promotional stuff we were just talking about, because we know, as hardcore fans and people that, you know, live and breathe the sport and follow it every day, this is a massive fight. We're talking a brand new champion, but in Islam Makachev that a lot of people kind of were just waiting. They were just waiting to see when that gold belt would be wrapped around his waist. He goes out there and disposes of Charles Oliveira, the hottest fighter in the UFC at that current point, um, and did it with relative ease on the feet and on the ground to become the champion. Now, on an 11-fight win streak, five straight wins, Noah, via finish, which, by the way, shuts down any narrative. If it's even still out there, people thinking Islam's a boring fighter. That's just very far-fetched from the truth making his first title defense against a man who has won 22 straight fights, who is and 12-0 in the UFC, who's made four title defenses at 145 pounds, beat one of, if not, he's probably not even viewed as the best now, but at one point he probably was, Max Holloway three times. Alexander Volkanovsky is as good a talent that we've ever seen in the UFC. Honestly, he's still underappreciated. I was in that camp once, Noah. I look back when this podcast started and how, uh, damn, and he beat Max. is one of my favorite fighters. I just I can't like this guy. He's good, but I'm not going to side with him. Every fight since this podcast has been going, and you could probably go back and see the progression of my fandom for Volkanovsky. He is an amazing generational talent. His his fight IQ, his just everything, the way in which he moves about, the way that he presents himself as an athlete and ambassador for the sport. This is two phenomenal fighters coming together to determine who right now is the best mixed martial artist on the planet that's what this fight is and it just so happens that if one man wins he kind of cements his protege status and then can now chase habib Nurmagomedov and islam makachev for volkanovsky if he goes and gets a second title up a weight class something that not many people have done especially at the same time what would, would it be five is what we said it's just historic stuff we don't see things like this that's why as you know, whether you're on the side of it being under appreciated or promoted or not you got to just come together on saturday sit down and enjoy this because it's 25 minutes that we won't get again for a very long time
0: Thirty-three combined wins for these two it's as insane. they step into the cage Saturday. Yeah. That's not a small amount, Dom. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that, but thirty-three yeah. in MMA is not a small number. Yeah, and what what I want to say, I guess, on top. So regarding my thoughts, I'm I, again a lot of the the clip was focused on kind of, you know, is it the biggest first title defense in history or not? I don't know if this was in that clip, but I remember talking about this at that time on the, that episode, and I made the prediction that I thought Islam Makhachev's going to essentially roll Volkanovsky here. Mm-hmm. As good as Volkanovsky was, I said, I think Islam's going to kind of run through him. Think it's gonna... Not that Volkanovsky can't you know, make a better account of himself than like Charles did, but that at the end of the day, I thought Islam was going to make this look pretty clean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've gone back a little bit on that. And actually, what's funny is I've seen a lot of people predicting that very thing. I have uh, seen that, yeah. I mean, just look at the odds. Volkanovski is a plus 300. Yeah. Makachev, minus 400. I mean, that's by the way, that's a weird uh favorite underdog split there. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why. That feels like I feel like... At a minus four hundred, Volkanovski should be a bigger underdog. But I don't like if that's the way you're going to do it. But obviously they they want to make sure to limit the amount of money people are getting <laughs> either yeah. which way. So I guess where my thoughts have changed, Dom, is I was looking through the resume of Islam Makhachev, and I'm people don't like it when I talk about you know the lack of like yeah. top tier guys that he's beating. People don't like it when you say that, and that's not really what I'm going to say. Because I understand it's not his fault. You know, he's tried to step up and take some of these fights like RDA and others and it's just not happened. But the guys he has beaten, Charles Oliveira, who obviously you know how highly I think of him and how much that win did to kind of impact my thoughts on Islam as a fighter. But before that, you know, the Bobby Greens, the Dan Hookers, the Drew Dobers, the Tiago Moises of the world. These are all good fighters. These are all yep. quality wins. You know, Charles kind of separating from the rest of the back right. here. But the the rest of these guys, and then, of course, Armand early on in their careers, that's a quality win, even though they were both very young. Right. What I think has been common through most of Islam's wins, and we'll go past the Armand fight because I don't think that really – it's really this, this run the last couple years is what I'm focused on. Yeah, yeah. What's been very prevalent through a lot of his opponents have been either they have pretty glaring weaknesses that he's been able to exploit or they are fighters that make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at like Drew Dober clearly had a weakness in his grappling, wrestling, and Islam able to exploit that Tiago Moise is a great, great submission practitioner, but doesn't have the wrestling or the strength to handle a guy like Islam. Mm-hmm. Bobby Green, a little bit weaker on the ground. Dan Hooker, same thing. Charles Oliveira, very talented everywhere. And yep. that's why I was so confident that he was going to win that fight. Right. But what had made Charles's run so exciting and also had made it so kind of anxiety-inducing was that he made a lot of mistakes in his fights. And mm-hmm. he just always found a way... Right. To clear his head, to make the adjustments and come out looking like a million bucks. Right. Alexander Volkanovsky does not make mistakes, Dom. (laughs) He doesn't make mistakes at all. Yeah. And he forces you to react throughout the entire fight. He is constantly throwing feints. He's constantly throwing stuff. Even if he doesn't really intend for it to do anything, he's constantly giving you a look. Yeah. And it can be very hard for someone. You've seen guys crack under that pressure. Max Holloway had looked at times very much like the better fighter through their first two fights, but he just couldn't do it anymore in that third fight. And he got pummeled because of it. Yeah. The Korean zombie. I mean, that was a tough one to watch. A guy that's as good as the Korean zombie who by the end, like was so defeated. Yeah. Brian Ortega had gla- had had moments of looking like maybe he could get it done. But then when he had that victory kind of taken out of his hands, you could tell, and again, very defeated. Yeah, Islam Makachev is masterful at exposing people's weaknesses, at taking advantage of people's weaknesses. But what is he going to do when he goes up against a guy who has none? <laughs> that question.
1: Oh, I already see the social media clip for tomorrow, No, because the way you just <laughs> worded that was absolutely awesome. But it's so true. Volkanovsky, and again, it goes back to me talking about his fight IQ. Every fight, we're seeing a guy not only improve, he's improving leaps and bounds, Noah. He's in his prime 34, Islam 31 in his prime. We've not been able to see Volk be like severely threatened to an extent that you would imagine Islam can present to him. Mm. He was threatened against Ortega, right? Again, he was in two submissions. But I'm just going to go off of these all these five title fights right here that I'm looking at on my screen. Obviously, it's a win streak for Vol. It's 120-ish minutes of fight time, because I think he finished Zombie in the fourth round. It was the third or fourth round. Yes. So around 120 minutes. One minute of that combined, he's been not in control of the fight. That's, That's crazy. Essentially, that's around what it is. Someone can fact check me down to the seconds if you want. You might have so, to
0: put two clips. That's a good, <laughs> that's a great response well, like, there,
1: too. That's the thing. So, are we going to see Islam be able to expose something we didn't know existed in Volk's game? Mm. Because he has the grappling and the strengths to do that. But I just, if Volkanovsky can strongly defend the takedowns, and this fight is on the feet. You want to talk about intrigue. Islam, and I have felt this since the Moises fight, is better striker than Habib was. And now especially, I believe that, after like the Oliveira fight in specific. Volk, a lot of people I've been seeing know, and I've never really considered him in this category, but it's pretty true. Volkanovsky's one of the best strikers in MMA and in the UFC. Mm. What's going to happen if it's on the feet? Volk is going to be four inches shorter, but still has a one-inch reach advantage. Volk somehow is five foot two, not literally, but you get what I'm saying. And he has a longer reach than everyone he fights. It doesn't even make sense. So on the feet, I don't really know. Like, I would think in my head Islam would be able to do enough to edge him out. But then if you really take a second to think about it, I don't know if that's the case. And Volk may well be able to win the fight. Should it be standing for 25 minutes? But that's, it's a tall task because I don't know if he can keep it there for 25
0: minutes. This is a great point, Dom. And I don't want to set the wrong kind of, I guess, projection of what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that I'm predicting Volkanovsky to win now. I'm just saying that this fight, as the days have gotten closer, you know, four months ago, whatever, that was my kind of first thoughts. And, Since then, I've just came around to this idea of like, I don't know what's going to happen because everybody seems to just accept the fact that Islam is going to dominate this fight. And I'm like, I just have a hard time seeing Volkanovsky in that kind of position. I know, right? Is it possible? Yes, because Islam's that damn good. But to me, what's more than likely going to happen here is you're going to have a lot of checkmates here. Just two guys that are so good, number one versus number two, clearly the two best fighters in the world. And... You're going to see a lot of, like, uh, not not checkmates. Uh, what's the word where it's, like, um, I can't remember. Maybe it is. A, it's not checkmate. It's, like, where two guys, like, there's no more moves that one could possibly make. Like, they have basically canceled each other out so much. A stalemate. The stalemate. Thank you. Yeah. That's sort of what I could see happening here. Like, I could really see just going to a decision and they're like i don't know who's gonna win (laughs) judges are like i don't even know like you're gonna see so much high level mma here you're probably gonna see both guys have moments of success and their kind of strengths take over at points probably momentum shifts each way a question i want to raise to you dom have -hmm. you considered when you look back at other examples of this of a guy going up another weight class in pursuit of another belt or even not, but the biggest examples being like the Daniel Cormier going up to heavyweight or Henry Cejudo up to bantamweight, even Amanda Nunes for mm-hmm. the women, but um, Conor McGregor up to lightweight, all that. Have you considered what improvements, like I think a lot of people have recognized where Volkanovski may lack due to going up 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. But have you considered where he may improve going up 10 pounds? Daniel quarter ever known as a knockout artist at light heavyweight what's he do when he goes up with the slightest of punches ever puts out Stipe Miocic yeah I mean just incredible so I think that has to be taken into account here that those 10 pounds Volkanovski may be a small guy and this and that but you add on 10 pounds what kind of power are we going to see from this guy who let's not forget was over 200 pounds at one point in his life and was playing rugby. Yes, he's not shown to be this huge power threat at featherweight. He's typically a guy that uh, really takes you in the deep waters, puts it it on you for the entirety Mm -hmm. of the fight. But now you get the extra 10 pounds, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but we've seen reason to believe Henry Cejudo finished Marlon Moraes when he went up 10 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Conor McGregor. He was a, I mean, he was a knockout threat at featherweight and right. at lightweight, so it don't yeah. matter. But I could really see Volkanovski, you know, Islam maybe being caught off guard by the power of Volkanovski and having to respect that, and maybe resorting to more takedown attempts. Will they be successful? I don't know. But that's really how I could see this fight going because Islam has made some bold claims. Dom, he said he's going to knock out Volkanovski, and I know people will just kind of say that for the, you know. To try to buy and mm-hmm. get some people to buy some pay per views or whatever, but you know, he may be caught off guard when he goes in there and he feels the touch of Volkanovsky a couple times and goes, Whoa, wait a minute, this isn't the power I was expecting from a 145er.
1: You really just made me think there because now I'm going to go through it. Connor went up 10 pounds, knockout. DC went up, knockout. Amanda went up, knockout. Henry went up, knockout. Okay. You know who went down and got knocked out? TJ Dillshaw, the one man that didn't go up to try and (laughs) win a belt. So you may be onto something here. Volkanovski could come in carrying more power than we've ever seen. Maybe people aren't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about it, but now that's all I'm going to be thinking about all day Saturday until they close the cage door. Maybe, just maybe, if, like I said, he keeps it on the feet, maybe he won't even need 25 minutes of stand-up, Noah.
0: Yeah, it's it's the more of we're just talking about this, the more excited it makes yeah. me just yeah. when you could analyze it all day, because both guys have such big strengths, but I, I can't necessarily say that they each have like a huge advantage over the other. Cause these are two of the most complete guys out there. Yeah. And because of that, like I said, might be a lot of stalemates here. I have no idea. I'm, I'm beyond excited for it. Yeah. And I hope that, if there's one thing I could hope, Dom, for this fine February evening is that maybe just one person listened to this, this this portion and they were like, you know, I wasn't all that excited for the fight before, but those Joes, those below average Joes, they they got me they got me hot and bothered for this fight now. So And if that's you make sure to drop a like, subscribe, <laughs> and ring the bell. <laughs> let's go. Let's go co-main event there is another title fight on this card though there is i think people
1: are forgetting that's happening to be honest it's
0: for the actual interim featherweight title so this would be basically a number one contender opportunity for a man in volkanovsky's division yair rodriguez versus josh emmett Mm -hmm. yair minus 180 josh emmett plus 150 i'm happy with the matchup you know josh emmett felt like the guy who might get left out of this kind of uh title fight so i'm kind of glad he's getting it even though a guy like arnold allen there was really three guys and one of them was going to get kind of screwed yeah you kind of thought maybe yair yair felt like the one guy who was going to be in here but felt like his resume had given him the least reason to be in this spot (laughs) yeah but undoubtedly he's the favorite and i also kind of agree with it in a lot of ways so Mm. my question for you at the start though I have already made my thoughts clear on interim title fights I'm not gonna harp on it because they are they're a part of the sport it is what it is But does this interim title fight feel a little more valid? due to the uncertainty with the main event and the fact that we've yet to see Dom a, a, a dual champ a champ champ a guy who goes up and goes for another belt upon winning stay in that in his original division it's never happened i don't think it ever will happen because the ufc as much as i believe a guy like volkanovsky wants to defend at both divisions like if he were to win saturday i don't think the ufc is going to let him because there's just too many variables that can get in the way you you take a fight like here with makachev let's say volkanovsky wins but he gets really hurt he's out for eight nine months well, then you just got an interim you know, featherweight champion that's just kind of hanging around. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you come back and fight him. Well, let's say you're out another eight, nine months after that fight. Well, that's going to be over a year since the last lightweight title fight. So it just doesn't really work. And I don't think the UFC is ever going to allow it to really happen. Mm. So does that give this fight a little more credibility and being more of a less more more than just an interim title fight and you can kind of give your thoughts on if you agree with my assessment or not of volkanovsky going up and down
1: yeah i think i mean i think there's a reason we've not been able to see someone really go back and forth back and forth the closest we've seen is amanda but that's because the featherweight division isn't really a division yeah, so it's like true. she can afford to do it because she's not stalling another division you know what I mean? And but you're right. But you're
0: right. I did say uh, yeah. it's never happened, and Amanda, it did. So I, I, I have to, you know, give. But that uh,
1: one but here. especially for the men's champions, though, you you are right to a certain extent because we just. It's. I think it's hard because the divisions are just full. You have to continue feeding these guys in up and down the rankings. So I think that uh, there's a little bit more importance on this one than some of the ones we've seen in the past couple of years. Uh, both these guys have earned it. At the end of the day, it's a number one contender fight, but they are going to get a gold belt wrapped around the winner, And um, I'm okay with it. Emmett really, really deserved it. I think they were going to want to give it to Arnold Allen, but I, I think he had a hand injury that prevented him from this date. So I'm glad Emmett gets the chance. And two, though, man, like he's on a tear. The best he's ever looked, even though he's 37 years old, he's won five fights in a row. We're talking about a guy that's torn his ACL in a fight went on to still have a fight-of-the-year contender against Burgos, sat out, and has then returned and looked great against uh, Danny gay and Calvin Cater, regardless of if you think Calvin won that fight or not. It was an awesome fight. Either guy could have won. Yair, a much, much different last couple of years. We're talking losses, no contests, just weird, uh, long layoffs. It's been really, really strange for Yair. And the win that he's coming off of, was due to an injury, you know, with Brian Ortega. Like, he looked good, don't get me wrong. Some people said part of what he did caused the injury, but whatever the case, it was a TKO via injury. So I know how good Yair is. He's seven years younger in this fight. He's going to be significantly um, larger in terms of height, I think five inches. So you would think he should be able to relatively easily handle Josh Emmett because I don't foresee this going down to the ground. I really don't. Because Josh is a guy that likes to stand and trade. Um, he'll knock you out, but he can easily go 25 minutes. Yair, we've obviously seen him do the same thing. So I just wonder that over the course of that 25, could we see Yair's length and just the way that he's been going about it lately, the way that in which he strikes differently from the other opponents that him it's faced, I kind of would favor him. But you just never really know with Josh. I mean, he's kind of a wild card. He's really... Snuck his way into the elite status of this division this past couple of years. It would be quite the story if at 37, after the injuries and the layoffs, he can come in and get this chance to become an interim champ, fight for undisputed gold later this year or whatever. I think this is definitely bigger than what's presented and what people are thinking about it.
0: You raise a really good point about Yair Rodriguez really at this point, do we really know if he's ready for this spot? Like we assume he is because he looked very competitive with Ortega in that first round. And he had that awesome fight with Max Holloway back in 2021. But are we still, is it, it kind of feels like we're still talking about Yair Rodriguez in terms of potential and not in terms of what we've actually seen. Yeah. As good as he's looked at times, I mean, his big shining moment up to this point, really there's two, I guess. The loss with Max, which was a loss, even though he did look really good. Yeah. And then the Korean zombie fight, but that was back in 2018. Yeah. That was five years ago. And like you said, there's been so much that's happened, and a lot of it's been a lot of noise in and Mm -hmm. out of the octagon, and it's not really probably been good for his career. But – that's ultimately why he's the story of this fight for me. Josh Emmett yeah. is great and deserves to be here. But this fight, all come, it is all on Yair Rodriguez's shoulders here. Because if he is to be the guy that so many of us believe he is capable of being, that so many people in the UFC have been pushing him to be from day one, he will get the job done here. And let's not forget, Dom, also more added pressure on his shoulders because he is the next step of that Mexican MMA takeover yep. for this year. Yep. So if he is to continue that, really make this a year worth remembering for Mexican MMA, he has to make that that leap and become a champion here. And that would be back-to-back Moreno, then him. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy who historically has really not quite lived up to any of the expectations or pressure that's been put on him as yeah. high as they've been been high expectations from day one with here, yeah. but we've still yet to, this is his opportunity right here. This is his moment to show that he is that guy. Yeah. To put it away really, like doubts. Yeah. And Josh Emmett. I mean, I hate that he's not really a part of that story, but the, the way that people are talking about Yair going into this fight, you would feel like their, um, their resumes would be reversed. Yeah. Because Josh Emmett has steadily been yeah consistent in this division. You can argue if he really, you know, Calvin Cater and him had a very close fight, but something of, I really respect and admire about Josh Emmett is his ability to, he doesn't crack like so many fucked up things and, so many just shit injuries and whatnot have really cost him years of his career. And a lot of it's happened in the middle of fights and yeah. you don't see him as confidence waver. You don't see him lose focus. He's won fights like the one against Shane Burgos where he, he tore his ACL. Like you said, um, I admire that a lot about him and he has had a huge chip on his shoulder. He from has. Way back then. You yeah. look at that fight. I remember the post-fight interview. I mean, he really called out a lot of people yeah. saying that hey, he wasn't getting the respect he deserved. He's definitely not getting it this week. Yeah. So what that can do to a guy, you have a guy who's sort of unproven, but is being almost handed the title already. Mm. And then you have another guy who's had to really climb, scratch a claw for every opportunity and has made good on most of them, but is still not getting the credit that's a dangerous recipe for a guy like Josh Emmett.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like all these fights too, that Emmett's been going in decisions after decisions, he's racking up octagon time when Yair Rodriguez has not, yes, he had 25 minutes with max, but we're talking about long layoffs in between the fight. He just had with Ortega was just a couple of minutes long. Um, There's just been more consistency over the past few years with Josh Emmett. You know, what to expect of him more. And that's why I think it allows him to be on pretty big upset watch come Saturday night to potentially get his hand raised with the uh, interim championship.
0: The biggest reason why I'm still leaning Yair comes down to the striking stylistic matchup. Yeah. Cause I agree with your point. I don't think it's probably going to go to the ground and in terms of their striking capabilities, they're both good at it, but in different ways Josh Emmett loves to stay in the pocket, and he has a very straightforward style of striking. Yair Rodriguez loves to stay on the move, loves to stay on the outside, and also does a lot of very interesting and innovative stuff, and he's very kick-heavy. So that's why I tend to give the advantage to Yair. I just think that he's a little more... More just Yeah, he feels like he has just more in, in his arsenal. Right. Yeah. Josh Emmett, very talented on the feet, but very straightforward in his approach. So yeah. stylistically, yeah. I just don't love it for him in the stand-up battle. But, again, very durable guy. He's mm. far capable of taking some punishment to dish some. So, Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, let's get into some headlines. We got more to talk about with UFC 284, but we'll get in that in a little bit. Dominic, it's back. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. Everybody get back on the Kevin Lee UFC lightweight champion train (laughs) because he's back in the UFC. He has re-signed with the company um, after a one-fight stint outside last year where he headlined Eagle FC card against Diego Sanchez. The fight, everybody thought he was going to dominate, ended up being kind of much more competitive due to him suffering a pretty bad knee injury early on. So I'm a little surprised about this one. Yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah, because they let him go, and then I feel like the one fight he had since then, and obviously, you, I know that he was injured and stuff, didn't exactly make me think they made the wrong choice. Now I still think Kevin Lee's a good fighter. I didn't think he needed to be cut. Like I think he was yeah. UFC level talent, so I don't blame them for bringing him back. But I'm a little surprised. That anything he's done since leaving or since being let go has inspired confidence to bring him back. What do you
1: think? I think that's kind of the best way to put it. Like, why would you have more confidence in Kevin Lee now than what you did when you initially released him? After, you know, from what we've seen with an injury in the Diego fight, but I'm still happy for the guy. Uh, it's a big opportunity for him. Mm-hmm. Curious to see is he going to get the weight? kind of uh, locked in. He struggled with that a lot uh, in the prior UFC tenure that he had. Is he going to do 155? Is he going to do 170? We know when he was at Eagle FC, it was a 165-pound fight. They had that weight class, and uh, he's a guy that feels really good, that in-betweener, you know, but they don't have that in the UFC. And we've seen that when he's done the 170 route in the UFC, yeah, he can make the weight, but he hasn't been able to perform once he's up there. So he's Mm. in a really weird spot, but if he can dial it in, I am still intrigued about Kevin Lee. I'm not saying title aspirations, but I think he can hang with, a, I don't know, man, lightweight's tough right now, top 15, but I'll give him the benefit of that and say I could see him hanging with some of these guys um, at 155 and 170 in the top 15. So I'm excited yeah. to see what he can do.
0: I want to agree with you. I'm just, I'm so skeptical because I've just, I haven't seen it from him in a long time. Yeah, I mean the last I don't know the last fight that would have I guess the Gregor Gillespie knockout was the last time Yeah, that
1: was big. Yeah,
0: that was what 2019 the end of 2019. it's been a while Yeah, I mean since then like the fight with Charles I didn't think he looked all that great in and Mm. then he had that fight with D rod who yeah as good as D rod is I was like Didn't really see it with Kevin Lee that much anymore yeah. And yes, I, the weight is the biggest factor too, because I think when he makes 155, he like kind of zaps so much mm-hmm. energy out of himself and doesn't, isn't able to fight up to his capabilities. But then at 170, he's almost too heavy to the point where he lacks some of the stamina and therefore loses some of his fight IQ in the later rounds. I mean, mm-hmm. that's been a constant issue for him. So. I'm just not confident that anything I've seen since then has not made me think that he's fixed any of that and yeah. or has improved as a fighter.
1: Yeah, I'll but be curious to see how they matchmaking.
0: 2023 looking like a big year for the Lee brothers. I mean, his brother is still like absolutely massive on TikTok. So nice, good nice. Stuff for them. <laughs> uh, wait, did you not know that? Did I you did not know that. Kevin Lee's brother is like the biggest food reviewer on TikTok. Really?
1: Well, that's awesome. I,
0: well, yeah, like a, I, I don't know, I, I haven't gone too into that world, so I'm the wrong person to be telling <laughs> you this, but I'm pretty sure, he, him and Mr. Beast are like collabing now. Like they're wow. Well, I will nobody, now go down a rabbit hole and we're done recording. Yeah, Kevin it. Lee's brother fought for Bellator back in the day. I do remember he, that. Now yeah. he's just now he's just reviewing food on TikTok, and apparently he's awesome. So
1: that's the life
0: so 2023 about to be a year for those two (laughs) yes sir um jorge masvidal was making headlines dom on his recent appearance on the mma hour with ariel hawani he announced that game bread boxing four will be happening on april 1st in milwaukee wisconsin Mm. this will uh, be available to stream on pay-per-view on ufc fight pass hopefully they do not price it the same way pfl priced their playoffs heyo Yeah, (laughs) But, anyways, this is a boxing card, actually. I can't keep up with Masvidal and all his damn fight promotions. I know. I didn't even know this existed. He's he's got boxing. He's got MMA. He's got fucking bare knuckle. I'm like, god damn, I can't keep up with all these promotions. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a boxing card, Dom. But we got almost entirely MMA fighters on the main card. So from bottom up for this main card, you got Pearl Gonzalez versus Gina Mazzani. Paul Daly versus Anthony Taylor, Vitor Belfort versus Jacare Souza, mm-hmm. Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens and then the main event, mm-hmm. Anthony Pettis, Milwaukee Zone versus yeah. Roy Jones Jr. Wow. So, what a mix of talent on this card. I am curious. I know you're not a big boxing guy. But what are your thoughts on this? Like are you are you are you on board with the uh, with the concept and then two if it was like $10, 15 bucks, would you buy it?
1: I think so. I think I would spend ten or fifteen to watch this. I mean, there are a lot of big names on this at the end of the day. Um, you know, hey, damn it, we never got Anderson versus Roy Jones Jr., but we'll sure get Anthony Pettis versus Roy no, Jones Jr. Crazy. instead. Um yeah, I mean I mean it's definitely cool. I'm the biggest intrigue, Aldo Stevens. I mean, no. that's that that caught me off guard. I know Aldo said he wanted to box. Jeremy has always been a striker they fought each other and Jose won via body shot TKO. So uh, I'm actually very intrigued how that'll go. Vitor, we've seen box before It got a little ugly there for who did, what was the opponent? It was Holyfield or something. Yeah,
0: Vander it? Holyfield. who yeah. had no business being in a
1: ring anymore. Yeah. Is, Didn't um, like that. And nothing like Vitor boxing against a guy known for his jujitsu and Jacare Souza. So we'll kind of see <laughs> how, how that'll go there. Uh, Pearl Gonzalez, I know has done fights like this before. Gina Mazzani, is she boxed much? I, I, don't I don't really know. She's
0: she's a former UFC fighter. That's I mean, what I, that's
1: why I remembered her. I don't know if she's ever done anything like that. And then Paul Daly, correct me if I'm wrong, just retired, right? With yeah, he did. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's he what did. I thought. So <laughs> And hey, Anthony not?
0: Anthony Taylor was on a couple of, he's a former MMA fighter, but he's kind of he's made a name for himself from being on a couple of these Jake Paul like undercards.
1: Okay, well, I mean... So he's an MMA
0: fighter, but he's probably more known at this point for his boxing fights because he's been calling for, like, I don't know who he's called for. I don't know if he called for Jake Paul himself, but he's been calling for a lot of big matchups, so...
1: I guess if I had to say, then the biggest positive, then, I'm glad there's nothing extremely, like, I don't see many dangers here for any older guys, (laughs) like, because Roy Jones, I know he's older, but he's still going to be pretty solid boxing, I would think, especially against Anthony Pettis, so... I, I, I don't hate it. And yes, Noah. Again, to reiterate, for ten or fifteen bucks, I think I would.
0: I think I. I was very close to saying this was a perfect, like, just event, perfect opportunity to give a lot of these guys paydays that are no longer able to do so in MMA. They've all wanted the box. You know what? I like. I fully support it. I kind of. I think I've softened up on the whole this circus side of boxing and you know, the <laughs> yeah. Jake Paul stuff. But this is a little more like something I can get into. Like a yeah, lot of I legends agree. of the sport that we really emphasize and love doing a sport that in boxing that you have to be less, I guess there's less aspects to it than MMA. I'm not going to say it's easier or it's right, right. any less dangerous, but it does in some ways feel like, okay, these guys are past their prime. They're, mostly retired or semi-active, but they want a bigger payday. Boxing tends to pay bigger. So you know what? I'm all for it. But man, that main event, they, they really had to go and put Anthony Pettis up against fucking Roy Jones Jr. And I know Roy Jones is well past his shelf life. I mean, that man has passed his prime, mm-hmm. but he's still one of the, I mean, an all time boxer and, Anthony Pettis is a former UFC lightweight champion, a great MMA fighter. Yeah. No boxing experience that I know of. Right. So I do worry about that main event. I understand why you do it, the name value. Obviously, Anthony Pettis is going to sell a lot of tickets because Milwaukee is where he's Mm -hmm. from. Roy Jones Jr. is the biggest name on this card. But, man, I really wish – like, you know, Jorge had to reach out to Anderson Silva. He had to. yeah, because imagine if it was Anderson versus Roy Jones, maybe oh, I would a hypocrite. I might be a hypocrite for being on board with that because Anthony Pettis is still active. He's in the PFL. Right. Yeah, he's he's not looking as good as of late, but he's not like in a position of a guy like I don't know Jocare, where maybe you're a little bit like, ooh, Jocare got knocked out his last couple fights. Like I don't know, yeah. he's not he's a full jujitsu guy. Yeah, Anthony Pettis, I'm not too concerned. With in terms of his health here against Roy Jones, I don't think he's gonna win. But you know, I guess at the end of the day, I would. If this is twenty bucks, I'd buy it. Dare I say, Dom?
1: If Anderson Roy Jones though is the main event, that would have been like the. I probably would spend. I'd
0: probably spend thirty at least.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree. How many? I mean, that was talked about for a long time during. I just can't Anderson's believe it.
0: Roy Jones is about to fight an MMA fighter in boxing. It's not Anderson. And Silva. it's not that's Anderson. Maddening. And Anderson's
1: been boxing the past two years. That's man. that's
0: what's so crazy. If you would have told me that Jorge was gonna announce his next boxing card and it was gonna be headlined by Roy Jones Jr., I'd be like, Oh, Anderson Silva's boxing on a Jorge yeah. Masvidal card sweet, right? No, but Anthony <laughs> I, I I agree though. Aldo Stevens. That seems yeah. like a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Pearl I agree. Gonzalez, by the way, she had been in bare knuckle the last couple of years. I knew she I, had done some boxing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm I'm on board with all these. Paul Daly in a boxing fights also good, because that's always been his biggest weakness is when a fight goes to the ground. <laughs> yeah. That man, his power is unrivaled by outside the UFC fighters and question um, very excited yeah
1: so obviously you're pretty not pretty against but you're a little against the main event in terms of like mm-hmm. how it turns out right so what's the bigger mismatch then is it Pettis and roy jones because of the boxing experience or is it vitor Ray soza
0: that's a great question yeah it's a great question and some people may <laughs> scoff at me even <laughs> pausing on that one because i think after i said what i like after initially saying oh i thought they almost killed it knocked it out of the park, but that main event has me a little skeptical Mm -hmm. then everything i said after that kind of made me go turn around on it and go well it's not that bad i mean anthony pettis Mm -hmm. is still pretty young guy like he's still got a lot of life left uh that Vitor. it it depends it depends on are they letting vitor belfort go full like bane from the dark knight rises and just (laughs) Yeah, injected himself with everything from A to Z in the in the manual. I don't know mm. if they are letting him just go full TRT VTOR, mm-hmm. Then yes, that's the bigger mismatch. Yeah, because I agree. We know what that man on when he's on the juice. We know that man is yeah. dangerous. And yeah. Jacare, yes, he is a guy who maybe I I just yeah that that's probably the bigger mismatch here. Just I think because so. Jacare's always he's one of the best jiu-jitsu guys ever. Never been known as a great boxer. No. And he's been... The last few fights he had a couple of years ago, he was getting knocked out. And yeah. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. I'm going to get like that the Kevin one. The Kevin Allen knockout was pretty bad. So, I mean, it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I'm still like intrigued by it. I hope I just don't get sad by any of these fights. Like hopefully they That's just, the biggest thing with these yeah. types of <laughs> cards. Like I'll be I'll be I'll definitely have some anxiety watching it, but I I plan on buying it. I I'm I'm into it. I'm I'm there for it. Unless it's 50 or 60 Bones. Yeah, then probably not. Then I'll probably <laughs> w- I'll watch Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. We'll we'll fa- we'll get on here and do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh but that's it for the headlines, Dom. Let's get into the rest of UFC 284. I'm gonna go ahead and say the three fights because there's really like a point I want to drive home about these three fights and how similar they kind of are and what we could see from them. Jack Della Maddalena versus Randy Brown, (laughs) Jimmy Krupp versus Alonzo Menifield, and Tyson Pedro versus Modestus Bukaskis. Dominic, these three fights, and I already said this to you, so just pretend like you're hearing it for the first time. Of course. These three fights have the these are either going to be Three showcase opportunities or three massive upsets. There is no in-between, I believe, for any of these. I don't see any of these fights being razor thin, mm-hmm. close decisions, or very competitive. I think these fights are all going to be thorough. They're going to be decently quick. The Jack-Randy Brown one, I think, has the makings of going a little longer. Yeah, But truthfully... I think you're either getting huge upsets here or these are going to be showcase opportunities for three guys the UFC are invested in who are big favorites. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, you know how I feel about uh, JDM and Randy Brown because I've been on Della Maddalena train since that contender series fight, and I've stuck with him ever since, and he's looked phenomenal through his first three UFC fights with three TKOs all in the first round, too, I believe, which is crazy. Randy Brown, though, rid of the show. we got to say that every time we talk about him. And a guy that I I just view as someone who has really gotten better and better, especially these last couple years. He's put together four straight very solid wins, um, and it just feels like he's kind of coming into his all right now, whereas Jack, still 26, nowhere near the competition. I think the biggest thing in this... And it's not Randy because he's four inches taller and has a five inch reach advantage, but not the size in terms of bigger his experience with competition. Don't get it twisted guys. Randy Brown, 10 and four in the UFC. His schedule has been very solid ever since day one in the UFC. And Jack has not had the same amount of competition. So I wonder, you know, if we get that big upset in this one, like Noah was talking about, I think it comes down to Randy Brown, just being in more scenarios against bigger, better competition that really could set him um, apart and get a win over Jack Della. For Jimmy Crute, I'm excited to see him back off of an injury. He's been out since, what is it, December of 2021. That was against Jamal Hill. He's still number 12. For Alonzo, he's looked good. Two straight wins by knockout. I just – worry like i don't see this one going long first and foremost in terms of uh, the uh, fight lines if you're betting this i just i think jimmy crew being so young i like a layoff better for these younger fighters because not only can he recover from injury there's much more time to really put some polishes to his game that we saw be exposed because i mean he when he went out he had lost three out of five before this layoff so i i think we could see a very much improved Jimmy Crute that could be the kryptonite for Minifield. Last but not least, Tyson Pedro has been a killer since he returned from a long hiatus. Odestas Bukoskis, I was going to fuck that name up if I didn't look. Got released by the UFC after losing a couple in a row, and he had a bad knee injury, but has recovered, went to Cage Warriors, went 2 0, became the light heavyweight champion. Now he's back. I like this fight a lot for both guys. Pedro is getting a step up in competition compared to the two that he's had in his comeback. And Modestus is getting his opportunity back against someone that I think is beatable because like you said off recording, Pedro, how did you word it about him? About like um, the value on him and like how he performs? Yeah, like
0: basically from what I've seen, I I feel like there's a... The, the value betting-wise and just the market has really inflated Tyson yeah, Pedro. Yeah, that's what you're and, saying. And and I don't think, yes, he's looked really good in these essentially squash matches. I mean, he's been given very low-level opponents yeah. up to this point in his return. But this was the guy who had potential back when I first started watching Dom in 2016, 2017, and he was failing to meet those expectations. So... Yes, he looks better now, he, mm-hmm. he he took time off heel himself a little bit, but I do think that the market is very inflated on him, and actually, that's even more alarming, that as inflated of a value as they've had on Pedro, and he's been killing all these opponents he's had, he's a minus 250 here, yeah. which is a huge drop off from where he was favorited previously.
1: Like minus 900 lot, and yeah, stuff. A lot of
0: that can be attributed to Modestus just being a more credible opponent. Mm-hmm. But maybe, Dom, just maybe, there's a little more to look into with that line. And you go, hmm, this guy went from being a minus 900 to a minus 250 in one fight. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to tell you something. Yeah. Just maybe. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I And I love the way you painted this in terms of like you're either going to see th- – three big favorites look as they should or potentially three underdogs get huge upsets but not necessarily having any close fights so i'm going to ask you this and i think i even asked it off recording but i want for the people if you had to pick one of the three underdogs that we just discussed who would you pick to give you a second i as of right now on thursday night when we're recording this i think i would actually lean Modestus in his return fight over the other two. Mm. If I had to pick right now, for recording.
0: That's a great question, Dom. Because I want to. I'm trying to rule out like one of the three to like mm. limit it. Like you know, my head. Yeah. And every time I try to limit one of them or like take one out, I'm like, oh, but this. Like I do believe that Tyson Pedro is being a bit inflated and in how people view him at this point. Mm-hmm. Modestus is kind of. He's been on the comeback trail. He's he's red hot. So there, there's that discrepancy there. Yeah. Jimmy Crew, I'm pretty high on still. Yeah. But you take into account he wasn't exactly on the highest of runs before the injury, and he's had a long layoff due to injury. Yeah. Going up against a very big, powerful, explosive fighter in men of field. could get dicey. Yeah. And lastly, I don't view Randy Brown as a, an underdog like a lot of people do, much like what you said. I think this is a pretty even fight going in in terms Mm. of what these guys have proven mixed with where their potential is and who they are right now. As good as Jack has looked, it is a massive step up. Oh, it's huge. Oh, yeah. Randy Brown has shown more losses, of course, in the octagon. But he's also fought tougher competition and has more credible wins to his name and has also looked damn good in his last few fights. I mean... Even the fight with, like, Chaos Williams. I think that might have been his last one. It wasn't, like, a great fight, but he looked pretty good in there. Like, even in the the stand-up, I was, like, very impressed with what I saw from him. So, even though, in terms of how people viewed his fight and how the betting lines viewed his fight, it would be a massive upset, I don't actually look at Randy Brown winning as some knock on Jack Delano and Elena. I agree. So, I'm going to say Randy Brown. And that's my only reason for doing so is I do think it would be an underdog win for Alonzo Menafield or Modestas Bukaskis to win these fights. I don't look at Randy Brown winning as an underdog win. I think he is just as good and could be proven wrong, obviously, because Jack could come in here and spark plug him. But I'm just saying, based off what I've seen, based off what they've proven, Randy Brown's just as capable of winning this fight as Jack is. Yeah, that's the thing. Like... With
1: this one, this is the highest favorite, right? We've got Jack at minus 325, Randy on the comeback at plus 255. So it's the most inflated of the three in terms of like the actual odds. But it does feel like the, like, I could see this fight being closer than the other two if we had to pick on like one goal in the distance of being razor thin. So yeah, I like that. And I don't know, man, it's weird about Modestus, like, with his comeback and if he can get a win here. Like thirteen and five, one and three in the UFC. It's not great, but I feel like he's a better fighter than those what those two records say. I may or may not be proven otherwise this Saturday.
0: It's it's, it's we are sort of putting ourselves out on limbs, but I mean that's what makes it fun, Dom. That's yeah. what makes it fun. So yeah. Um, they can come back and tell us we don't know ball or we don't know fist or whatever we don't know punch or something (laughs) Something. so uh, that's it for UFC 284 but Dominic there's only one way we end the show around here yeah that's what the little segment we like to call closing statements yeah point of the show where me and Dominic talk about anything and everything MMA related or not and Dominic I'm gonna go first because I have mine I was gonna bring it up on the last one I said oh no we're gonna hold off we're going back to movies this is likely what I should have made the topic last time. We're talking about sports movies, Dom. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I know you've seen a few of these. I mean, yeah. Jesus, like I, I, I know Dom don't watch movies, but I don't know if there's th- if there's three things I could expect Dom to have watched. It's a horror movie, a um, Christmas movie, or a sports movie. I feel like those are the that's three accurate. That kind of that kind of yeah. check off the boxes for him. So your favorite sports movie of all time any sport
1: oh boy oh boy favorite sports movie of all time favorite sports movie of all time
0: i probably have
1: to pick i have a couple in my brain that i loved as a child but if i still had to pick obviously at 24 what i would go don't watch you dare things.
0: don't you dare say ready to rumble no don't you dare no, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but now that you say it, no, I'm just kidding. I gotta go to the original Space Jam. I have to. I have to. Wow. I, okay. I love that film, um, especially for someone that didn't get to like grow up and see Michael Jordan in his heyday. Really? Yeah. It's cool to see that film, and obviously when you add in the Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, and those fellas, yeah. it was just it's it's a really fun movie. Um, you want to know at least a couple of the ones I had in my brain? Now that I gave you my, can novel? I take a
0: guess on one of them? because I feel like you've talked about it before in this segment. Maybe I've already asked this question before. Uh, Rocky 4, I'm pretty sure you've uh, I do love Rocky 4, yes. I, I
1: but, yeah, yeah, I guess I should consider it in a sports movie obviously because it was boxing. I didn't think about it just now, but yes, that's
0: definitely. It's up hard. There. It's hard to think on the spot. but that was one that I was like, oh, I know yeah. Dom loves that one. So what else you got?
1: I thought of, and these were the ones as a kid that it came into my brain, Air Bud, the basketball one specifically, <laughs> and Like Mike with Bow Wow. I used oh, to watch man. that movie a lot when I was a kid. So. Yeah, these
0: are a lot of movies that I remember watching as kids. So I definitely see where your brain goes for these kind of questions. You tend to go oh, more.
1: And don't forget more... Benchwarmers, by the way. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: So, I feel like for you, you put a lot more weight on stuff that you are nostalgic for. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've noticed that.
0: I I think that's what I've what I've taken away for like a question like that. Um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go sport by sport because I've seen a lot of movies, Dom. Yeah, yeah. Only sports that like you know, I've seen a lot of movies in. So, football. Oof, there's. There's some good ones like Friday Night Lights is very good. Remember the Titans is very good. Mm-hmm. But I think Rudy is probably going to be my oh, choice. Well, that's a good one. That's a good um, one. Being that I'm a guy that loves history so much and loves like just that movie just feels like a time capsule. And I just mm-hmm. love that learning more about the history of sports and of that time period for football and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I think it does such a great job of showcasing all the reasons why people love Notre Dame and just love college football and stuff. And that, that it's really easy to buy into Rudy in that movie. He is really exemplifying like anything is possible and the American Mm -hmm. dream and all that. So I love it. I love it. Love it. For basketball, because you mentioned a lot of basketball movies right there. I did, and, you didn't know, I? I? don't know if I would have said any of those three. Air Bud was a that was a shock when you said <laughs> that one. But I get why. Like I remember loving it as a kid. I could have mentioned that for football. Uh, Air Bud Golden Receiver is what mm, it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for basketball, what are some ones that I really like? I mean, Hoosiers is a classic. Coach Carter, I remember really liking. I do like Coach Carter. That's a good one. The, the original Space Jam is definitely up there. A lot better than the LeBron James Space Jam. I did not. Mm-hmm. I've not seen the that. new one. Yeah, but... I did fuck with that one. So, Do I have like a favorite basketball movie? What are some movies I'm forgetting here, Dom? There's got to be For some basketball movies I'm forgetting. Oh, man. Oh, I got it. High school musical. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. brother. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no. But I, I I I for some reason that popped into my head, so
1: I don't think um, there's as many though, probably basketball films either compared to like football. Ooh, and... you know a
0: underrated one? I don't even know if you know about this movie. He got game with Denzel Washington and Ray Allen.
1: No shit, now I don't yeah, think. Ray
0: Allen that. plays Jesus Shuttlesworth in the movie. That's a really I've good. See, one. I've
1: heard that name but never yeah. seen the movie. Denzel before.
0: Washington's the man. Kobe Bryant, fun fact, was supposed to play uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth, but ended up going to Ray Allen instead. So, wow. Ray Allen also one of my favorite NBA players, so that doesn't hurt. Hmm. The baseball one's easy for me. There's a lot of really good baseball movies, by the way, but Major League. That's what I figured. number one. Yeah, I, I that movie is my favorite sports movie that's the one probably. okay hmm. so that clearly takes it even though other there's some other really good ones i would not have put bench warmers up there but i it's <laughs> it. incredible incredible film um i was trying to think oh you know hockey i haven't seen many hockey movies but the mighty ducks i mean that's i've never I've seen thought, mighty ducks bro really you know yeah. i i i it doesn't surprise me cuz you're not like much of a hockey guy but yeah the only reason I saw it was because they played it when we were in like middle school. Mm-hmm. It, you know, when it came close to Christmas break, every class was just showing movies like Rolling the day. TV
1: on the stand, baby. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> I remember, uh, it, I think it was for my choir class. Uh, she had Mighty Ducks mm-hmm. on. Him, so we watched that for like two or three days. And so I, I, I remember really liking that movie. So. That would be hockey. And lastly, for combat sports, So this is another tough one because Mm. I have a very soft spot in my heart for every Rocky movie besides Rocky 5. (laughs) The rest of them are awesome. The Creed movies are freaking phenomenal. Rocky 3 is actually my favorite one with Mr. T. Mm, Clever Lang, I love that one. But I think I'm going to go Bloodsport. <laughs> I was literally bandame. going
1: to say that. That's what I figured you would say. You
0: know, there's something so cool about the idea of the secret Kumite like out in the fucking God knows where. Yeah. And you got all, like, the, the fucking ambiance of that movie is incredible. If I had, if I ran a fight promotion, my goal would be to recreate, make what's it real, low budget, and like, yeah, Very personal, like out on some island somewhere. Mm. Just all these people came there. It, it was what I was really hoping Fight Island would yeah. be. Yeah. That's what the coup is in Bloodsport. And Jean-Claude Van Damme, man, I was raised on that dude's movies. And that one especially guy. Was, was on repeat a lot growing up. So mm. had to give it the edge, even though the Rocky movies, phenomenal. Don't think any MMA movies. Well, here comes the boom is actually very good. So
1: <laughs>
0: that's classic all time. Yeah, man. stand by that. So that's it. Dom, did you have anything for closing statements? I know mine went kind of long there. No,
1: that was good. A lot of movies to discuss. I'm I'm clear.
0: Yeah. Well, my name is No Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Monday.